Hello, and welcome to Aging Well, Finding Beauty in the Gray. I'm your host, Hugh Willard. Aging Well is a podcast for everyone in or approaching the retirement years. There's a lot to unpack here apart from the financial planning component, and we'll do just that. We'll explore new interests, priorities, and goals, and finding purpose for ourselves and in our relationships. Join me each episode as I share stories and chat with guests learning to live their best next act lives. Welcome back, everyone, to Aging Well, Finding Beauty in the Gray. Brad Campbell retired from a career in advertising in 2018. These days, he enjoys storytelling, writing feature articles for Our State magazine, exploring the outdoors with his wife, Judy, and riding his bike. Today on our show, we are going to talk with Brad about his life in retirement and more directly, his time on his bike. Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, You, It's a real pleasure to be with you. Your life of cycling started December 25th, 1966. This was when a Schwinn fastback stingray was waiting for you beside the Christmas tree. This journey took you through upwards of 50 mile rides given to the inspiration of the iconic 70s movie Breaking Away. Love that movie. Eventually, owing to the vicissitudes of life, the relationship between man and his bike went into an extended slumber before being called back into back into life to offset work-related insomnia when you were in your 50s. And then on July 22nd, 2017, you went for a ride. Would you please tell us about this eventful day? Sure. Uh, I was on a group ride with about 20 other cyclists. We were in Transylvania County, and it was a pretty big ride. It was about 60 or so miles with a lot of climbing. And we were actually about three quarters the way through the ride. And we were in a very remote area of Transylvania County going through this series of S's at a fairly high speed and a pace line. And I was kind of leading this pace line and saw right in front of me this ribbon of sand and gravel that had been washed there by the previous night's rain. And I hit that gravel and um, uh, the, the rear wheel uh, slipped out and uh, hit my head, actually hit my head so hard that I didn't even feel the rider behind me riding over my back as I, as I went along the road and then slid into a ditch uh, face down. And at that point, friends ran over, uh, turned me over, made sure that uh, that I was um, conscious and that and that I was lucid, which I was. And um, as they were doing that, my head began to clear, and and um, I thought I was ready to get up and and perhaps even continue the ride if my bike was okay. And uh, just as some friends were helping me up, a rider ran over by the name of George Stevens, a friend of mine. And he uh, and he said it was uh, the most important question that's ever been asked in my life. He said, are you are you hurting anywhere? And I said, George, I said, my neck feels a little stiff. And he put his hand on my chest and pushed me back down to the ground. And he said, you're not going anywhere. 
and he uh, proceeded to have someone call 911. They, uh, um, and, and, and as they were doing that, we were waiting for the ambulance. Um, you know, I, I continued to feel better and, and, and st started to question George, why won't you let me get up? And other riders who were there said, George, let him get up. He wants to get up. And uh, I said, George, why won't you let me get up? And he said, because I love you. And um, in any case, the, the ambulance came, they put the brace on my neck, went to the hospital. And long story short, I ended up having a uh, displaced fracture at C3 and C4. And had I gotten up, had I moved my neck significantly, I potentially could have either uh, become paralyzed or lost my life. So it was a really um, uh, just a, a pivotal moment in, in my life. Um, fortunately, I was able to make a complete recovery, and I'm still riding the bike today. That is a remarkable, remarkable story. And in fact, you did share this story in Our State magazine, which is where I learned about it and reached out to you. Such a remarkable story. So many parts to that uh, and so much to take from that. Of course, we're going to talk about that in our time today. Another part of uh, of your story following the accident and your recovery, you mentioned you're back on the bike. So just over a year after your accident, you touched your back wheel down in the Atlantic Ocean in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. This was after a 3,691-mile ride across the country. Allowing for the obvious, what inspired you to do this trek? Well, a long-distance bike ride is something that I've often thought about and talked about it with other cycling friends of mine. But after the accident, it sort of became my uh, raison d'etre. I, I realized that I needed sort of a goal for my recovery. And within a week, two weeks after the accident, that's kind of what I had identified. And I immediately told my wife, Judy Ann, about it and, um, and began to work towards that goal. And so um, uh, that, that bike ride started in um, uh, near Ashland. It was, okay. um, but yeah, it started there and rode across the country with about 31 other cyclists who were part of America by Bikes. And uh, so it was a supported ride. Um, still challenging, but but certainly easier than packing your own gear and, and riding solo across the United States. Well, it sounds amazing. And I was not aware that there was a group that uh, you rode with. Um, but uh, yeah, a, you know, a, a close to 4000 mile bike ride is nothing to sneeze at, whether whether by yourself or with a group. That's that's an amazing accomplishment. And there was something more to this ride for you. Uh, you were you were uh, interested in raising awareness and maybe money as well. Yes, Can you tell I, us about I realized that? that that was something that was another purpose that that this this uh, ride could serve. So what I did is I contacted the Shepherd Center and they and actually they I had learned about them through my neurosurgeon who had performed the surgery on me. And it just seemed like such a, a worthy charity. They actually do. Um, rehabilitation for people who've had brain and spinal injuries that were much more severe than my own. So what I did is I, I dedicated that, that trip to the Shepherd Center and raised $15,000 for them on that, on that journey. 
that's beautiful. That's just beautiful. So staying with that, take us on this trip with you. Um, can you share some some memorable moments and some people that you met along the way? Sure. Um, and, and there really were kind of three components that made that trip special. And the first and foremost was the people I was with. Uh, like I said, we had about 31 riders. We had support staff from America by bike. So we didn't have to worry about getting our gear from one place to the, to the other. We knew we were where we were going to stay each night. So really all we had to do was ride. And even though the ride kind of broke up into various sort of smaller groups of rider based on their interests and, and their fitness levels, um, I ended up actually riding sort of with everybody and would sort of mix up the groups that I rode in. So I got to meet an amazing uh, group of people, and they were from all over the United States. We had also people from Europe, and we had riders from Australia as well. So that was really gratifying. Um, the, the reporter, Tom Jelton from uh, National Public Radio, was one of the riders. We had several retired ex-military, perhaps the most impressive of which was um, a former major, retired major, who I think at the time was in his early, or I'm sorry, late 70s, early 80s. And he made that, that trip with no difficulty. And as a kind of a continuation of that story, he enjoyed it so much that he actually did the very same ride the, pre, the next year. So that was really, that was really inspiring. And everybody kind of had their own reason. There were people who had lost uh, spouses. There were people who were overcoming in injuries like my own. There were people who were doing it as a bucket list um, item. And so, so in that respect, it was really, it was really great to hear everybody's individual story. And then the second thing about it was just to, to, to sort of really get your arms around the scale of our country and and to see it in all its many dimensions. I think the only sort of landscape that we didn't ride through was desert, but we rode through everything else, the 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 great uh, Pacific Northwest and the and the forests and woods there, uh, the Great Plains, the um, the continental, the western continental divide. The, uh, the Great Lakes area, and then actually all the way up into the, to the northern Appalachians and, the, and, the, uh, and, that, and that area in Vermont and New Hampshire. So it was a Beautiful. real, it was just a wonderful way to experience the entire country. And then the third thing I would say would just be sort of those, those landmark moments, like riding over Teton Pass uh, in um, going into Jackson, Wyoming, and riding through the Badlands. We actually spent a day and rode to Mount Rushmore. And then, of course, uh, crossing the, the Great Lakes on uh, an old steamer. Um, that was really cool. And then we actually rode in Canada for a, for a bit and then came back down into New, to New York and, um, and finished up and uh, going through Vermont and New Hampshire. So there were a lot of really wonderful touchstones along the way. That's an amazing trip and and much more grand than than uh, an image that's coming to my mind. But uh, you wrote in the Our State magazine article about your experience. Uh, you wrote a little bit about uh, a, a race that happens or a ride, I guess I would say, that happens here in North Carolina. That's the assault on Mount Mitchell. Yes. And um, my brother, I had mentioned before, um, my brother was uh, uh, an avid cyclist and he was actually a, a category two rider and um, he, a week before he was 
uh, slated to go out to Colorado Springs for the Olympic trials. And by his own admission, there, there was no sense that he was going to make the team, but uh, still it was an honor to, to, you know, to be one of the top riders in South Carolina to be able to go. And a week before he was in a race, um, I was a criterion in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And long story short with that, there was, there were barriers around, but there was something that happened with someone whose brakes went out on their car and they came down through and onto the course and they actually hit my brother and one other rider and they were seriously injured and they, they both are fine. Um, but, uh, that was a, a very, very difficult and tragic time. And, mm. uh, so a few years after that, in his own process of recovery and coming back, he had done the assault on Mount Mitchell a number of times. And there's a fun story where, um, we think about support staff. And so my mom wanted to be there to support him. So she was in her car on the side of the road and was there with bananas and, you know, water or whatever. And, um, she fell asleep. And, uh, so he was riding and he saw her and she was asleep and he just kept going. So she never saw him. And he oh, just oh. kept going. So, uh, that was a, that's a fun story in our family. So anyways, um, but not on the scale of certainly the the grandeur and the beauty and just the amazing uh, trip that you're describing that you did. Uh, and again, the value of that being also the raising money for the Shepherd Center in uh, Georgia. So for folks with with, with serious uh, spinal cord and and other uh, I guess head injuries. Head so it's a great yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you and Judy have been married for 28 years. We could say that neither of you signed on for an experience like this, but that wouldn't be true in sickness and in health. How has the accident shaped or added to the composite that is your relationship? That's a great question. Um, and I think that an injury or a, a kind of an event like this where I, I ended up fracturing my neck can be very hard on a marriage, but in our case, I, I think it really brought us much closer together. Um, but the other thing too that was really important to me to it was a it was a recognition or something that I discovered was the fact that that um, it, it, this was traumatic for both of us. It was physically traumatic for me, but it was emotionally traumatic for Judy Ann. And that's something that I have to keep in in mind all the time. And so when she asked me today, where I'm going to ride, who I'm riding with, when will I be back? You know, those, you know, she's not trying to bug me. She's, she's seriously concerned about my welfare. And I think that that's an important thing for, for me to, to be mindful of. Sure. So important. It's easy for us to, to focus on, um, you know, and, and I mean this in the most, um, sincere way, the victim of the experience, uh, when in fact, it really is a shared experience. The loved ones are right there and they, they're really affected by it as well. Absolutely. And we both continue to share that experience together. Absolutely. And, yeah. and have worked through it together. So wonderful to hear. Tell us about your scar of gratitude. Many of us do not have a visual reminder on the scale as you do. Uh, absent this life-dominating experience, we must create our own associations, our own anchors to help us orient to gratitude. Tell us about your scar of gratitude. 
Well, that's actually what I call the scar that I have in front of my neck. They actually made two incisions, one in front and one behind. Obviously, I can't see the one behind, but the one in front, every day I look in the mirror and I see it, and I've taken it to calling it my scar of gratitude because it's just a reminder of that experience, and it's a reminder to, to seize the day, to live for the moment, and to always be reminded that we are not promised tomorrow. And I think that's probably the most important lesson that I took from, from this accident is to try to make the most of every moment that I have in this life. Um, there's a wonderful quote, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to not say it exactly correctly, and I, and I can't even tell you who the author is, but I remember reading it in a New Yorker story years and years ago. And the basic gist of the, the quote was, um, she says that, that I used to think that when you learn something that you learned it for good, but I've since discovered that, that, that you really don't and that we have to work hard our whole lives to remember the most basic things. And that quote has always resonated with me. And when I think about my scar of gratitude, that's a visual reminder for me to remember the most basic thing. And one of those most basic things is is to is to try to make the most of every day that I that I have. We would like to, you know, there's a there's a dramatic character to significant experiences, and and certainly that can be uh, embellished and sort of given flourish in Hollywood movies and TV shows and things like that. And and they they stand outside of the ordinary. They stand outside of the day to day for us. So that by definition, that is what makes them extraordinary. Um, so and it's easy to have a sense that, you know, I'm, I'm in the immediacy of this, that I'm I'm so affected by this, that it's, I'm going to be fundamentally different going forward. But life calls us into routine. It calls us into the day to day. Right. And we can to that quote that you shared. It's it's so easy for us to come back to baselines and not have perspective. And, and so to have something that we re return to a time and again to say this is what matters. It's it's so important. I think it's really a basic human challenge that remembering it really. And it, and it could be one of our, you know, it could be our uh, Achilles heel as a as a species. But but. And that's why I, I think I value this this scar so much because it is that constant reminder. And that's not to say that I don't get on my bike and and find myself going downhill at forty miles an hour, and and I have to have those reality checks of you no, know, is this really the smartest thing? You know, if you slow down five or ten miles an hour, this would be much safer. You know, and so. Sure. Um, so it's a challenge, I think, for all of us at all times to, to remember lessons. You have largely retired from your work in advertising, but remain involved in freelance writing. Uh, we've referenced that uh, you're, you shared your story in Our State magazine. Uh, you also shared it on the stage at a Moth Radio Hour event in Asheville, North Carolina. The video of that, by the way, is on YouTube. It's a wonderful uh, video and and courageous sharing of your story. I encourage folks to check that out. We'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. What have these experiences been like for you? Well, and it just kind of goes to show that, that this accident for me was kind of a resurrection. Um, the, the whole storytelling came out of th this experience. Um, I have a good friend who actually uh, stage managed that moth uh, radio hour story slam. And she would come to me 
time and time again saying, Brad, you need to tell a story at, at this event. And um, I went to several other events and I just could not imagine that I could get up on stage and tell a story. I told her I didn't have a story. Well, and then the accident happened and I, I went to, to Sarah and I said, Sarah, I think I might have a story now. So I wrote that story and I performed it and I rediscovered the love that I had for performing and for getting up in front of an audience. And uh, it was just such an epiphany and such a rich experience for me. Well, shortly thereafter, COVID hit and they stopped doing the moth. And But I decided, you know what, I'm just going to start exploring this idea of my stories. And uh, lo and behold, I ended up writing 28 different stories about my life based on different moth storytelling themes like uh, gratitude and, and uh, love hurts and, um, you know, things, things along that, along that line. Um, and uh, it was such a, uh, an amazing experience. And I realized that not only did I have stories, but I think that everybody, everybody has really profound stories in their lives. And if we can sort of tap into that and the way that I was able to do it was through the Moth Story Series. But if you can tap into your, into your life stories, I think that that's a gift that would be so appreciated appreciated by family members and by and by friends. And so I would encourage anybody who's interested in learning how to tell a story and learning how to tell their stories, uh, go to themoth.org and uh, they've got plenty of tips how to how to begin that that storytelling journey. You know, I've I've actually performed on stage maybe nine or ten times. I've won a couple of storytelling competitions, and it's just it's a it's a whole nother chapter of my life that's been opened up. That that was really all the result of a of a terrible accident. So, um, right. talk about silver linings. Oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, we will also put a, a link to the moth uh, in the show notes as well for folks to check that out. That's a that's a great suggestion. And as you're talking about gratitude. I'm uh, remembering, and I'm going to try to remember the gentleman's name. This was a TED talk, and the gentleman's name, I believe, was David Stendel Ross. I might be mis mixing the last part of that name, um, but he gave a talk on gratitude, uh, which was really powerful. And basically, he was saying that when we orient to gratitude, that happiness will follow. The tendency is for folks to go after what makes me happy um, and chasing after that. And and that can be very ephemeral, right? That can, you know, those sorts of things can can rise and fall with a lot of circumstances and variables. But he was talking about the research that says, you know, when we go after gratitude, then that creates, you know, the 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 mental and the emotional frame that follows that we come into this this space of happiness contentment whatever language you want to use but um, we get into good space um, so um, it's all really really great stuff so you mentioned that you've been into the storytelling a little bit more um, what else is ahead for you oh gosh um, well uh, I want to I want to continue to ride and I love the idea of doing a longer ride. So this next year, I'm going to be doing a ride across England, much shorter ride. It's only going to be about six or seven days from Liverpool to London. And then um, in, I think, October of next year, I've signed up for a ride through Vietnam, Cambodia, and Thailand. I've never been to Southeast Asia. And I thought that, you know, again, when you're on a bike, it's just such a wonderful way to um, 
kind of submerge yourself into different uh, cultures and experiences. Cultures, you know, yeah. You're seeing the world at a, at a much slower pace. You're not insulated. You're not in a car. You, the windows aren't rolled up. You're, you're smelling the smells. You're seeing everything you're experiencing. Uh, you're meeting people. It's just such a wonderful way to travel. And so I want to do more of that as well. And then I'm, I'm working on, uh, I'm also a, a pilot. I haven't flown much in recent years, but I have a passion for aviation. And there's a nonfiction story I want to write about some 1930s air racers. So I'd really like to, uh, this, that's kind of my book length project. And of course, I want to continue to, to write for our state, which has just been a complete uh, and total blessing. Yes, and and uh, our state has been referenced many times on on our show here because you know, we've had a number of guests who who we've gotten from our state, and it is a wonderful magazine. The folks in North Carolina know this, and of course we have uh, we have listeners from all over the country and and beyond, and so I can appreciate that uh, they may want to orient to something that may be more local to their experience, but. Uh, Boy, there's just it's just a wonderful publication, and so it's it's nice to see that you're going to continue to be involved with them, and you're going to have these experiences of writing. And I look forward to hearing more and reading more um, about your uh, your trips and your experiences. So I I certainly look forward to hearing more of uh, what's ahead for you and reading more of what's ahead for you. It sounds so exciting. And uh, we thank you so much for being on the show today, Brad, and we do wish you all the best in the time ahead. Thanks so much, Hugh. It's been a real pleasure being on your podcast. I love your show and keep doing such great work and, um, and hope to catch up with you again very soon. Me as well. Thank you. You have been listening to Aging Well, Finding Beauty in the Grave. I am author, psychotherapist, and life coach, Hugh Willard. To learn more about this podcast, listen to other episodes, and discover resources related to our guests and topics, please go to our website, findingbeautyinthegray.com. If you have comments or questions, or would be interested in sharing your story with us, we'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at findingbeautyinthegray.com. Aging Well is produced by Willow Way Creations with sound engineering by Garrison Locke. Theme music is written and performed by yours truly with Greg McGee and Garrison Locke. Thanks everyone for joining us. We hope you will be with us again next week.